Support for An Honest Account comes from Moneybox, the award-winning app helping people save and invest for their future. Moneybox allows you to invest with your spare change, from your morning coffee to your bus fare, rounded up to the nearest pound. Moneybox offers a range of savings and investment accounts and makes it super easy to use. All you do is sign up in minutes and get started with just one pound. Join over 200,000 people saving and investing for their future with Moneybox. You can download the app today or head to moneyboxapp.com for more details. Please remember that with all investing, your capital is at risk. And thank you to Moneybox. An Honest Account, a podcast about how money affects our lives, our work, health, relationships and more. I'm Rachel Revis and this week I'm chatting with journalists Kuba Shan Baptiste from The Independent and Lucy Handley of CNBC to discuss money and dating. We talked about splitting the bill, feminism, flashy watches and the rich actor who left out his bank statement on the kitchen counter and then took his date to a greasy spoon around the corner. Welcome to the show, Kuba and Lucy. Thank you so much for hosting me in your lovely kitchen, Kuba, with uh, beautiful (laughs) cats walking around. Um, We're here to chat about dating. I may not have been on a date for a while, but you guys, (laughs) Lucy, you were on a date on Tuesday, so fill us in. I was. um, uh, Yeah, it was a a guy who I met in real life. It wasn't an internet or an app date. I met him at a party. Rare. Um, yeah, and it was, um, I'm not quite sure what's happening. He since sent me a meme um, or a gif or whatever they're called. <laughs> so without any word, so I'm, I'm not what sure. What was it? Of? Um, it was uh, the current political <laughs> situation. It was of um, Prince Andrew and Boris Johnson. Oh, I can't really oh, say oh, what it's right, okay, It wasn't, anyway, it was funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, it was I'm, I'm not sure if I'll see him again. Um, we split the bill. That seemed to be fine. This podcast will hopefully be released long after he knows what's yeah, happening here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want me to tell you what happened with the money situation? Yes. Given yeah. that's what we're talking about. So it's not really that exciting, but he... Um, so we, we met for drinks, and then we sort of agreed that we'd go on for drinks and dinner somewhere else. And the bill came, he'd put his card behind the bar, and I went, oh, let's split it. So we split it. And then we went for drinks and dinner, and then we split it again. But... I don't know if this is the wrong thing to do, but it feels more relaxed to me if they get the first round, I get the second round. Yeah, I agree. And um, and, and maybe I'm probably, you know, uh, making a mountain out of a molehill, but it just felt a bit sort of almost anal to kind of go, right, we have to split everything completely down the line. It just feels a bit more relaxed. Mm. I mean, I guess if you pay for a, a £20 round and then they pay for a £60 dinner, then that's not really fair. Um, but anyway, it just it just sort of jarred a bit. But that means it has to go well, right? Because the second round, I don't know. Does that? Yeah. Well, it depends how quickly you drink your drink. <laughs> exactly. Right. You could be you could down it in fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. So how many rounds? Uh, well, it depends. This is a very political. <laughs> how many rounds? How, how many, many drinks how many per day? I have no idea. But generally, the more rounds, the better it's going. I presume. Yeah. Or if you're doing different activities, I guess. Yeah. Like if you Ooh, start off at a bar. Activities. 
And then you end up somewhere else. We yeah. knew that we were going to do different activities. We knew that there were going to be two venues involved. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a bar where it was where it was table service. So we had like two drinks each and then the bill came. So I guess, yeah, of course, it's complete. It's fair that we split it. I don't know what it was. With me, I just feel like we knew we were going somewhere else. So maybe I could have got that or he could have got that. Mm. And then we moved. But I felt like because his card was behind the bar, maybe he could have got that and I could have got the next one. Yeah. That's just how I prefer things to be. The logistics of it sound like they could get complicated yeah. with one card. But, and also, if you're sitting with someone, for example, and waiter or waitress comes over with a card machine, I find, I don't know about you guys, but often they'll pass it to my partner or if I'm mm. with a, a man or friend or whatever, they'll pass it to him. It happens all the time. Mm. And it's like, no, 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 we're splitting it or I'm getting it. Does that ever happen? And that's awkward if you're on a date, especially. Yeah. Does I, that ever happen to you? <laughs> I think I'm guilty of like slowly reaching into my bag and sort of pretending to look for my purse. <laughs> oh good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> when, oh my god. When the it. card machine comes, um, it doesn't always work. So <laughs> I think if you can tell if the date's not I don't know, usually if the date's not going super well, I'm more likely to be fine with splitting it because I don't really care. I'd rather just get the date. How do you with. approach that actually? Shall we split it? Or do you um, just assume it's gonna happen or I'll just take my card out and say, let's let's split it. Casual. If they don't say anything, yeah. yeah. Um, but generally, I like to pretend to root around in my bag for a bit. Does the card machine ever catch you as a surprise? Because you kind of said, when they come over, and I'm like, you know it's coming over, or <laughs> do they just turn up with card machine? You're like, oh, we have to deal with this now. I guess it's just, yeah, you just you stop what you're doing, you acknowledge it, and you can tell by someone else's body language as well. Like, usually if someone's happy to pay, they're going to offer to pay straight away kind of thing. They're not going to yeah. beat around the bush. Um, but then if they they want you to pay too, they'll make it clear, I guess. You can just read each other mm. in a weird way, can't mm. you? Yeah. And also, Lucy, on your most recent date, you mm-hmm. said you met him in real life beforehand. Yes. So you therefore knew that you liked Tim enough to be, like, confident enough to do the dinner and drinks? Yes. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Whereas if it was a stranger? Yeah. If it was a stranger, then... It's a bit of a gamble. It is a bit of a gamble. I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I don't... I rarely go on first dates where we meet in a bar anymore because I've been in situations where I've met the guy, thought, oh, I'm not really sure about this, but give it a couple of hours, and then ended up getting a bit drunk, getting quite drunk, you know, spending more money than I'd mm. want to on someone who I didn't match much like, even if we're splitting the bill, and then having a giant hangover. So I, I've i got a bit like I'd prefer to meet people for coffees for for an hour or two. Daytime which I know coffees? Sounds, yeah, which sounds a bit brutal, and some guys don't like doing that because they might be nervous mm. but that's or brunch or something so why would yeah. they be more nervous about that because there's no alcohol involved. yeah okay yeah and I you know I I sort of um as I've got older um I get a hangover after one drink which isn't much fun so <laughs> you know it becomes have you ever pretended that you're drinking that's just like soda yes. or something oh yeah if I go and buy a round I'll be like mm, I'll have a soda water with with lime and it looks like gin and tonic <laughs> Yeah. And that's a cheap date as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that a good tip, actually. Yeah. Was when was your one. last date, Google? When was my last date? I went on a date a couple of weeks ago to see Once Upon a Time Hollywood. Oh. I hate cinema dates. <laughs> so, yeah. And he kind of, he knew that I hated cinema dates before we went. So I don't really understand why it happened, but it was, an, it was a really fun time, <laughs> um, I guess. Because we'd had, we'd had a really nice date before that. So it wasn't, one of those really awkward situations where 
you don't know each other at all and you're sitting in the dark room watching a movie in silence like it was good um and in terms of the money it was it was quite easy as well there was like an unspoken system that we seemed to have worked out where it was like he bought the first round of drinks the last day and then after after two rounds I felt bad <laughs> so then I decided to chip in and then he and then we just took it in turns after that and at the cinema I got the tickets because I had a discount so it was cheap <laughs> for me <laughs> and then he got all the other stuff so that was really helpful um, do you think you could have taken that same approach on as soon as you met but or you had to establish a bit of contact first I think sort of building some kind of rapport was helpful and I think knowing that we were both having a good time made it easier in a weird way. So I, I usually feel a bit more guilty if I like the person <laughs> and then feel more inclined to want to pay. And I kind of feel like it should work both ways. Like if you if you like the person you're spending time with or if you've organised a date, then yeah. So where do you both, right, you've, so you've mentioned not going to bars, etc. Mm. that much. So where do you, so you mentioned coffee. Mm-hmm. Like I guess that doesn't add up to much. But no. <laughs> what, what about you, Cooper? Where do you tend to normally agree to meet for the first time? Usually I like to avoid restaurants. Um, so it'll either be a bar or an activity or, or something like that. Um, Tell me more about activities. <laughs> We've mentioned that word a few times. What activity. does that encompass? Um, I, I went on a really good first date with someone. I didn't like, he was really annoying, but I had a really fun time. <laughs> um, so it was like this live, I don't like like spoken word poetry, it gets on my nerves, but it was this event um, that Inua Ellums was uh, hosting it was like a rap party mm-hmm. and it was poets responding to um the miseducation of lauren hill and then they'd play a track from the song in between each poem so you just get to sing along and it was really really fun um so we went to a pizza place first which i thought was just a bar um had like a couple of drinks he ordered pizza and then we went to this other place and kind of just sang along that does night. sound fun. That's great. Yeah. He kept competing with me, though. It was really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was trying to liven it up or something, spice it up. I don't know. Because sometimes, like, you notice, okay, maybe this is a while back, but, like, when you notice alternative dating nights, advertise and time out, which, yes, I have done, mm. they're quite expensive. I mean, they are a business model. They're trying mm-hmm. to, it's just like anything else in London. It's, it's expensive. Yeah. So even without even factoring in drinks or whatever, it's... um. Yeah, and so basically my quick anecdote, and then I'm going to stop <laughs> oversharing, is that um, the night I met my partner, I'd previously been at a um, dating night, which I had bought a ticket for, which was a tour of the history of London's public toilets. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. <laughs> and the tour guide had a plunger as a, instead oh of like an umbrella. Goodness. And I was with my friend, and it was her, the tour guide, the tour guide's friend, who was a man who kept interrupting, and... A married couple from New Zealand. So oh, didn't end up. But then I met my boyfriend later that night. So it was okay. But yeah, I have done these things. And I kind of go, I went along to them not thinking, well, firstly, not conscious of the money I was spending. I just saw it as like extension of socializing. Mm-hmm. And well, like exactly. a chance to meet yeah. new people in general or like friends. I didn't even, I don't know if I took the right approach I mean there was no one there anyway <laughs> I think if you yeah if you're doing a thing that's an activity that you'd like to do anyway like you had a really fun time on mm. the Lauren Hill night um then I think it yeah I think it's a, I think it's I think it's all right so I think that's quite a good idea to choose things that you think oh that sounds really interesting and then whether you go with a guy or whether you go with a female friend mm. then it's then it's kind of you've you've invested that time and that money 
in that night and you've had a good time regardless of whether you've gotten with a guy or not. It's, yeah. I think the point I'm not making very well is it's like become a whole economy. Yes. So oh, delving huge. into a slightly controversial topic, if you're going to spend 15 to 30, God knows, 45 pounds on something like that, you're only going to meet a person, a guy who's willing to spend that kind of money or has that money. Mm. Yeah. So already you're stepping into a certain yeah. area where you're not fully open to meeting someone who maybe couldn't afford that. That's true. I mean, I don't think it's a must that I'd like to spend as little money on dates as possible. And not just in, in terms of like making the other person pay everything, but just in general, I just feel like, especially if it's a first date and you don't know them very well, there's no point in investing that much money in something that probably yeah. won't last or might not go very well. So I don't know, like in summertime, it's easy to have a, a cheap date. You can have a picnic or like go to a museum or whatever. And it's slightly easy. We can do that in the winter as well, I guess. Um, picnic in Hyde Park. No, 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 no. picnic. <laughs> Museums, the museums are there, yeah. but it's a bit boring, I'd suppose. Um, so I don't know, I think, I don't think it's a must, but I also understand having, I don't know, some kind of expectations around the sort of date you want to have and so, and it being more expensive, I guess, <laughs> to facilitate that. Lucy, you mentioned before we were went on air, so to speak, yeah. about men maybe taking more of a lead, so talk to me about that. So I definitely think that there's something in if you've met someone once or twice or you've met them in real life and and you quite like them, I, I think there's something nice about and it's gonna I'm you know it's gonna sound like a kind of um, I'm a feminist but kind of an anecdote. Um, I think there's something nice about a guy organizing a date, deciding what he thinks that we would both like to do together, organizing it and paying for it. And it makes me feel wanted. And I don't, and I think it's okay for me to say that's what I would like a guy to do. I'm not saying every single guy needs to do that. I'm not a princess. Um, but I think if you're sort of, if you've, especially if you sort of know them and you think that there might be potential, I think it's a really nice thing to do. I'm not saying on date one, I don't know, it could be on date five, where maybe you've thought, okay, I've got to a fifth date and this is going pretty well. Um, but, you know, then I would um, equally organise something for them, you know, the next time or the time after that I that I would organise and pay So it's for. not necessarily about the man taking the lead because, as you said, you would do it as yeah, well. Yeah, but I think I do definitely want to meet someone who is confident enough to say, I like you and I'm going to have this idea and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put my hand up and go, I like you, let's go and do, let's go and do this thing. Um, but that wouldn't need to be on date one, as you said. No, it wouldn't need to be on date one. Um, and I think it could be a bit overwhelming. You know, when my sister met her now husband um, on date, she's vegetarian on date one, he said to her, they'd met at a wedding, and then he said to her, oh, let me take you to this really posh vegetarian restaurant. And she kind of freaked out. Um, and she was like, no, it's fine, let's just go for a drink. And I think she was quite sort of nervous about it. Um, so Because of that. the cost? Yeah, and because of the partly because of the cost, but I think because of the sense of occasion and the sort of formality of it, and the pressure that might come with sitting in a posh restaurant, that that you know, with a guy that is a stranger, basically, and and having to feel like, you know, you have to feel like you get on, and then maybe you're worrying the whole time about who's going to pay and how much is this costing. Mm. I was gonna. That seems like a good point to ask. Is there that pressure then? Even in the I have to mention post me to era and all that when you're sitting there and they've might have paid for several rounds or dinner or whatever and your taxi whatever it might be and do you feel any pressure to 
kiss them or agree to a second date or whatever it might be. I've never felt any pressure to, to kiss anyone or agree to a date that I didn't want to go on. But I have felt pressure to stay and not just leave when I want to go now, basically. I think that's just because it's awkward. It's hard to say to someone, I'm not having a good time. Uh, why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unless they do something really awful. Yeah. Like, we'd have to, I don't know, have got into an argument or something. Mm. Or he must have, he had to have said something really awful. But yeah, sometimes the person's just a bit weird and you have to slip away quietly. And you ever get the impression someone has tried to keep you when they might sense that you'd rather not be there by, for example, getting you a drink? Yeah. So before we, <laughs> we started recording, I talked about a weird story with this guy who... <laughs> he did something strange at the end of the day. Um, but at the beginning of the day, he kept offering to buy me um, more and more drinks when he could see that I wasn't interested. So we were trying to get to know each other. I'd say something that... Like, he disapproved of things I said, which is really weird. He was annoyed that I didn't go to church. <laughs> I was like, why? This is not going well at all. Um, and then to make things worse, I spotted my next door neighbour on a date opposite me and he, we like kept locking eyes and like having to pretend that we weren't both on awkward dates. Um, but then, yeah, he just kept buying me drinks and he, thinking that it would lead to something or thinking I'd go home with him. And then he kept trying to steer the conversation towards, oh, what are you doing afterwards? Like, I've got, <laughs> you can come back to my place and all that stuff, which is when I decided to leave. Um, and also I, I can drink. <laughs> so <laughs> I think he underestimated how much I can handle. <laughs> <laughs> he was in for a long struggle. Yeah. <laughs> Before I just left, basically. But yeah, that made me feel, I felt the pressure of him trying to make me stay, but then I didn't feel like I had to. I felt like it was safer for me to run away, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, date or no date, it's always difficult to leave when you want to leave if you're trying to be polite. What about you with the, Lucy, with the pressure and, and yeah, the money side of it? Yeah, I think I wouldn't sit... If I if I knew I didn't have a spark with someone, I wouldn't sort of sit there and let them sort of pay for drinks. I'd sort of make my excuses and leave. Um, I think that... I think, yeah, I think there's definitely a sense of... You know, I, I met a guy on an, on an app and he was messaging me on the app and he was saying, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, I'm not meeting you tonight, but let's meet in a few days. And I met him and um, we had a couple of drinks and I can't remember who paid. We probably had two rounds and he bought one and I bought one and then we left the bar and he put his arm around me as we were crossing the road and he said, so should we go back to mine? And I just went, no, you know, I told you no hookups. I'm not interested. I mean, mm. he was, you know, if we're talking about box ticking, which I don't really like, to do but on paper he was very attractive had a good job tall all those sort of things which you know actually aren't important um but he just yeah he just wanted to hook up and that was that was horrible but I just said to him um now I'm going home now thanks kind of thing it wasn't really to do with money but that was just just to do with his expectations and behavior that was but it is interesting that you mentioned that even though you said you don't like to look at it this way, but the box ticking, you know, how do you know if someone has a good job? If someone turns mm -hmm. up every, you know, it's dating is often, especially on apps, based on looks, first yeah. impressions. Mm -hmm. So if someone turns up in a suit or has a flashy watch, I mean, that's, I can certainly remember that, like mm -hmm. going on a date with someone who had a flashy watch and it turned out to be a very telling indicator of how the date went and his attitude and yeah. talking openly about money, which I actually found at the time, the way he did it, quite distasteful. Mm and a sign of his character. So, like, it's funny how money, when it, as soon as it comes into the conversation or 
how you perceive someone, it mm. actually means a lot more than just whether who's splitting the bill. It does, it does. So how does that fit? Like, you yeah. want someone, perhaps, I'm not speaking for you, but someone who, you know, is steady, knows what they're doing in life, maybe has a good career ahead of them, but mm. that's intrinsically linked with money. It is intrinsically linked with money. And I do, I want to, you know, what I'm interested in is someone who has ambition, and I don't mean just to have money, but I just mean to have to experience the world and to do new things and different things and um, who thinks outside the box, um, who isn't just sort of an accountant on his way to becoming a partner because it's just boring. And, I, you know, I've, I'm freelance and I sort of, you know, I've been lucky to have had quite a lot of work as a freelance journalist. Um, but I think, yeah, there's, there's, I think money is very emotional and um, I think showing whether you have money or being flash with the flash watch definitely says a lot about a person and I think you know some people have to have branded goods to feel good about themselves or they have to sort of you know roll up their suit jacket so that you can see the flashy watch or Mm -hmm. take the jacket off um or they have to refer to the the expensive shop where they bought their shoes and it's a sort of it's a funny, you know, is it a funny kind of an alpha male thing um, where they feel like they're obliged to show that they've got money or they've made it? And I think it's I think it's off-putting if someone's going on about it and if someone is too flashy. But I, at the same time, yeah, I want somebody who is um, financially independent. I don't, I don't, you know, everyone can lose, anyone can lose their job. I have lost my job and had, you know, rent to pay and bills to pay and, and that was scary. Um, but, I think for me, being um, able to manage your money and save it is an attractive quality. It's but not how, about how being can you flashy. tell that when you meet someone? That's the question. You can't. I think you. Go on. No, I was going to say. Yeah. I guess it's something you learn later if you get to yeah. know them. But, yeah. But you can kind of tell someone has a weird attitude to, or an unhealthy attitude or relationship with money, um, based on the way that they talk about it. I think. Yeah. Um, have you ever had a strange experience when someone's, well, not even just strange, but an experience when someone will openly talk about money or what they earn or ask what you earn or any of that kind of thing? Yeah, I've dated quite a few people who, for some reason, think that journalists <laughs> earn a lot of money. So they assume... That's weird. Re- yeah, I, don't, I think it's because they have, like, I don't know, an idea of, like, maybe a broadcast journalist or something who's really famous, and they're like, well, you, yeah, you must make loads of money like that. Like, no, <laughs> that's not the case. Um, so that's often something I have to... I think they have an impression of me as a person of being really well put together and having loads of money and, and, and just lots of stuff and no worries and stuff like that. Do you think they, like... Or going totally off tangent, do you think they because people don't trust journalists and they don't trust bankers and they put us both together? <laughs> and they think therefore you must earn the same. Is Probably. That, those two are often linked, though, aren't they? Yeah. I'm, anyway, totally off tangent. Probably. Yeah. Um, but I, I've dated someone who used money sort of as a way of not not controlling in terms of like financial abuse or anything like that, but in terms of making himself feel as dominant as possible Mm. and it kind of came out in his personality as we continue dating but I didn't notice it at first I just thought wow he just wants to spoil me and he wants to pay for everything and and go to nice restaurants I don't really want it like go to he took me to a restaurant and he'd never you could tell he wasn't used to actually eating in really posh places because he didn't know what a lot of the stuff was on the menu and he ordered scallops and he was really upset when like three came (laughs) 
It's like, where's the rest of them? Yeah, he was like, I'm really hungry. I don't, this is really expensive. Why? But like, don't, don't order stuff that you don't know what it is or don't, yeah, I guess don't stunt on people when you don't have... Yeah, if you're not used to it, if you're just doing it to make someone think that you're this great person, mm. it's just... And then he ended up being really strange and, and controlling, so... <laughs> I, I have one. Mm. So um, I dated an actor, uh, someone who'd been on TV, not anyone that you would have heard of, but he'd been... Uh, I won't say what show he'd been in, <laughs> but he was earning reasonable money from this. He lived in Notting Hill. And uh, he said to me, oh, come round, I'll cook you. I'm really, I, you know, I'll cook you shepherd's pie. I'm, you know, it's my kind of signature dish. And I got there and the, the shepherd's pie was an, pretty much an M&S ready meal, <laughs> which was weird. And But that's not to do with money. But he had left his bank statement with his salary out on the table. And I don't know whether he sort of was just like leaving it lying around for me to see that he earned Oh my God, what figures. was it? What was it? Six figures? It was close to six figures, I think. Yeah. Wow. Or the, or the you know, but uh, oh, and it, it was weird. But then he'd sort of like, you know, we'd go for dinner and he'd sort of insist on paying, which I think if they insist, I think it's fine. I'd just be like, okay. And then I'd, I don't know, if I went around to dinner at his, I'd take some wine or I'd sort of mm. do my, you know, I'd show that I appreciated it. But um, but at the same time, I can remember one morning we went to um, a cafe for breakfast and Notting Hill's got loads of lovely cafes. And he said to his fat mate, oh, where do you recommend? Where should we go? And we ended up on in the like Princess Diana greasy spoon on Bayswater Road. <laughs> Why? <laughs> and I just thought it's his way of going, I don't really care about you because actually we're just going to go to the cafe for the first place that we see. Mm, and interesting. It, and it wasn't about him spending money on me, but it was it was about... It was just about him making belittling me, which wasn't very nice. And so I stopped seeing him. I That's don't know. bizarre. Yeah. We have a lot of bizarre things in life. Anyway, so um, moving on to tweets that we've discussed in the past about raising that debate of, you know, whether you pay, whether you don't pay feminism on dates. I just thought that was a really interesting topic. So Cooper, please introduce <laughs> it for me. Um, yeah, so there was like this discussion going on um, with that the sunflower sort of sparked um, about whether or not you can be a feminist while you're sort of online dating and uphold those morals when you're trying to find a man, I guess, um, or whoever. Um, And I just, I think it's a strange position to take. What was her position? Her position was basically, so if I look at her tweet, it was sort of saying that dating apps aren't the place to do social justice, um, that the, the, the theoretical stuff is cute for Twitter and the roundtable, but when it comes to applying steps that need uh, to bring you success, you need to put your wins first, and life is more than feminist theory, basically, is what she said. Um, mm. But I just... If you're literally only using feminism <laughs> so that you can, I don't know, so that you can impress your friends or or send tweets on Twitter or whatever, um, or do threads on Twitter or whatever, um, then it's just... And what is the point of even being a feminist? I just don't understand why you have to check your morals and the things that you believe in at the door in order to attract someone in. Unless you're doing it for business purposes and it's literally your job um, to find a client, then I don't understand why you do that. If you're literally just trying to find someone who gets on with you and agrees with you and that, that you like and that you're attracted to. Would you even consider watering it down? I'm not... I mean, (laughs) not you, but in general, because I know for me that if you get me on started on a certain topic, I will I probably get angry. Mm. You don't even have to say anything. I'll just start. But that's just a sign of how strongly I feel. But I might, if I was meeting someone for for the first time, I might, especially if they were paying. I 
I hate it about myself, but I do this at work sometimes as well. I do feel like I'm slipping back into that polite little girl. I'm pleasing you. I'm not trying to please you, but I just feel like yeah. I probably should. Do you ever get that feeling? Like all the time, yeah. And I try to fight against it as much as I can. But if if there is, like, say if I'm on a date with a guy and he says something that's particularly offensive or something that I just that doesn't, that just lets me know that he's we're not on the same page at all and we won't ever be then I might politely try to let him know that I don't agree or without trying to start an argument unless... It depends on what he said, to be honest. But I will, I'll let him know that I don't agree. And then if if it doesn't go well from there, then I kind of I have my answer in a weird way. Um, but at the same time, I think... I think you can have discussions like that on, on dates or if you're seeing someone um, and they say something that you don't agree with, maybe you can educate them or... But having said that, I sort of made a vow to myself like last year that I wanted to stop teaching men things because I felt like I was doing that in most of my relationships and just trying to help them to become better people. And I just, I've had enough. So I'm not mm, doing that anymore. It's tiring. It's all right if they're open to it. And if, yeah. they, if they also want to learn and if you want to learn, from, you know, mm. it's a two-way thing. But if it's not, then... Yeah. I had a date recently where... Um, the guy, it was, a, it was a first date and we were talking about Las Vegas and I'd been there on a work trip and he was going on about, showing off about this stag do that he'd been on, that he'd organised um, and the, how many strip bars they'd been to and how they ordered these two women to come to the room. And I just thought to myself, why are you telling me this? Is it, is it to do with, oh, look, I'm so flash and my friends are so flash and we've got lots of money, we went to Vegas. And is that supposed to impress me? But I just thought it was such a strange thing to say. So I thought to myself, and I do have a polite little girl thing that kicks in. And I thought, no, because I'm not. Be- if I don't say anything, I'm not being true to myself. So if I sit here and just like nod along politely, then I'm 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 lying to myself. I'm pretending to be somebody else. So I just said to him, I hate that kind of thing. That was all I said. Good for you. Yeah. And he didn't really say anything. We moved the conversation, moved on, and you know, I haven't seen him again, but. If that was just, if that was the only thing he said that was bad and the rest of the day was great, then maybe I'd see him again. Um, but I do think that there's a, you know, there's an, there, there is an education piece to be done because I think men don't really understand what feminism is. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's equality, it's equality between men and women. It's not about misogyny, miso- uh, no, no, not misogyny, <laughs> the, other way, the other way around. Um, do men ever feel em- emasculated when, for example, they find out that, you know, you own your own house? you know, you've you've got all your shit together, basically. Do they ever feel um, emasculated by that? Um, I don't... I honestly don't feel like I've got all my shit together. Um, that's a really funny one. I don't think they do, because I think a lot of the guys... So I'm 41, so I think a lot of the guys who I've dated recently are um, older than me. Sometimes they're divorced, and um, uh, uh, that, that's a whole other kind of money thing because their finances will have changed... Um, but so I've owned my flat for two years and it's a funny one because I used to feel the other way around. So I'd go on dates with people in my late thirties and I would feel belittled or I would belittle myself because I was still in a four person flat share at age 38. So I would feel like I couldn't talk about my house situation because I felt ashamed of it, which is really bad. I, you know, looking back, I had a great time and maybe I should have kind of owned that more and gone, you know what, this hasn't happened for me yet. And it's bloody hard to buy a flat in London. Um, The way I was able to do it was because my grandmother passed away and, um, you know, I was, I got some money for a deposit. So that was an enormous help. Um, 
But I don't think they've ever felt emasculated, certainly not recently, because I think the guys I've dated have kind of been older than me, and Mm -hmm. mostly they've owned their own places. Cuba, does that issue come up for you? Because obviously you're in your 20s. Yeah. So it's, how do I put this delicately? (laughs) It's a more forgiving age for people to collect their shit and make sure it's together kind Mm. of thing. Like they might still be ascending in their careers. I'm sure most people don't own their own homes. Do you find that that issue comes into play when you're dating? Like, do you look out for their steadiness and their (laughs) jobs and how much money they have, etc.? I tend not to. I think... Which I I might be I don't know I I might change my approach, um, but I I've dated a lot of men who don't necessarily have their shit together in terms of their in terms of their job um, or their lifestyle in general. Mm. Um, they're just a bit of a mess, um, and I don't really mind. I kind of as long as you have the ambition to move forward or to, that you're trying to sort of get things together and work things out then I kind of I don't really mind if you're not if you haven't got everything figured out but I have noticed men who find it difficult to be in any way interested or enthusiastic about things that I'm doing because to them it probably sounds like it's really glamorous but in reality it's just like I'm just it's my job but I just still don't have any money and I still live in a flat chair and I still like there's all this other stuff that I still haven't figured out but I think for some men if you have a job that makes you slightly... I don't know, if you have to engage with the public in any way, basically, that, that translates uh, to them or to some men as as you having some sort of upper hand in some way, um, which I find really strange. because Which it's not just true. sounds like they're very insecure. Yeah. And do either of you... This is very practical. Either of you have to budget for dates because obviously they ain't cheap. So if you end up going for f- even five coffee dates, you <laughs> that might have an impact. Do you do you have to factor that in at all? Um, I don't like have a monthly budget, but because I don't have that much <laughs> action <laughs> on a monthly basis. But I have... I think the first date I ever went on, my mum told me before, like just the classic rule, like make sure that you have your own money so you can get out of there if you want to. Um, so I've always taken that on board and sort of given myself a budget and sort of told myself, don't spend any more than, I don't know, £30 or £40. It depends where you are, what you're doing. Um, but don't spend any more than this. And if the, and make sure you bring enough that you can pay your own way if the other guy's just not interested in paying. Um, but yeah, that's generally what I do. Mm-hmm. How about yours? Um, uh, budget. So... It's funny, I think the longer you see someone, the more expensive it is. And I haven't really... I was seeing someone last year for about six months. um, And I think I... Well, I know I had more money than him. It wasn't something that we talked about. And it wasn't wasn't an issue. But we happened to both like mint tea. So we would drink a lot of mint tea. (laughs) And he'd come round to mine for dinner. And so it ended up being quite um, cheap. But, you know, previously I have sort of you know gone out and about and explored London and ended up spending quite quite a lot more so I think if I hopefully I will get into the stage where I am dating somebody again soon um and I think maybe that when that is when I might have to have a budget or sort of say you know oh could we do something a bit cheaper today or um but I haven't sort of consciously gone okay this is my weekly budget like Hoover I haven't had that much, you know, I haven't had that many dates. I don't do, I mean, you know, I do yeah. do dating, but it's not like it's weekly. Yeah. Do you still like mint tea or the traumatic <laughs> memories associated? No, we love mint tea. Okay. <laughs> good. 
Well, I think that's a perfect note to end it on. So thank you very much for joining me, Cooper. Pleasure. It's been so interesting. It's been great. Next up, I'm talking to Becky Aldridge of Neon Financial Planning, who is going to help me answer a listener's query about whether she should aim to save for a house or invest the money instead. Hi there, Rachel. Thanks again for helping out with this reader's query, um, or listener rather. Her name is Charlotte, and I'm just going to tell you her question. She wrote to me saying, where the F do I start with investing? Um, She's 29. I have about 6K saved in a help to buy ISA, and I tried to qualify for my bank's free online service, but I accidentally kicked myself off the process When they asked a question about my savings and whether that was earmarked for something, I said, yes, a house. And they said, well, technically, you don't have any capital that's free to invest. So check back with us in a few months time. So but what they didn't let me say is I don't know if those savings should be for a house. The London market sucks. And even if I can find somewhere affordable, I think I should probably still have something else in the bank. So, for example, if my bank told me I'd be better off investing a grand, I'd happily take that out the help to buy ISA. And now it feels like I'm back to the drawing board. So, in summary, is it better to save for a mortgage or invest? And if in, if it's investing, how do I go about it? So, that's quite a question. Wow. It's such a massive question. And um, actually, I think loads of people are thinking the same sort of thing. So, I'm going to just focus on a couple of things um, that Charlotte said. So the first is a really sensible principle that applies not just to Charlotte, but to everybody really. Um, And that is, regardless of the situation that you're in, keep back at least three to six months worth of your normal spending money in a savings account. I know it sounds really boring and it might even feel like more than you would normally want to be saving. Um, But the reason for suggesting that sort of amount is that if something happens, like you lose your job, you're made redundant, even if you have like a relationship breakdown or something like that, or you're self-employed and you don't get paid, you know that you've got three to six months worth of money there so that you can manage and get yourself in order um, during that time. So that's the first thing to say. So Charlotte mentioned that she's got some money put aside and doesn't know whether she should invest it. Well, I would say firstly, think about just making sure there's enough cash to, to manage in an emergency. The second thing is the big question, really, what should she do with her money or you know, somebody like Charlotte? Should you be buying your first house or saving the money for something else. And I would really just suggest taking a step back. Um, I don't know very much about Charlotte other than what she said in her question. Um, But you think about her, she should think about her situation. How secure is she? Is she in a relationship? Is she in a secure job? If you're in a situation where you're thinking, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to be um, doing this job in the next two or three years. I don't know if I'm going to be in this relationship in two or three years time. I don't know if I'm even going to be in this city in two or three years time. If you've got a load of uncertainty around your situation like that, making an enormous financial commitment that's very difficult to get out of, i.e. buying a house, is probably not the right thing to be doing. Um, It's stressful, it's expensive, some relationships fail the moment they finally bought their property. It's such a stressful experience for both of them. So I think if there's any uncertainty about where she's going to be in a couple of years time, she should probably just do nothing. 
during that, that time, don't buy property um, and just put the money to one side somewhere else instead. Um, so, but if on the other hand, you know, she's pretty settled, I think she said she's 29. So she's settled, she's got a secure job, she's planning on staying where she is for the time being, great. Uh, then let's think about having a house because at the end of the day, a house means security. It's not an investment. Don't think about it like that. It's about having somewhere safe to live uh, that you've chosen. It makes you feel good when you come home um, and it makes you, you know, feel comfortable. So I, I don't know if I'm answering Charlotte's question about property, but my suggestion for her and for other people like her is just take a step back and think about where you are in your life. Don't compare yourself to other people. Just think about where you are and where you're going to be. This is quite specific, um, just to interrupt briefly, but mm. she says that she's got the 6K specifically in a product, in a help to buy eyes. And the whole point of that, I understand, is to get that kind of top up from the government if you do buy a house. Mm. Um mm. So it's kind of different if she had the 6K in a savings account, she could decide in her mind, you know, flip one day, the other, oh, I'll spend it on this, I'll spend it on that. But isn't mm. it different if she's already got this in a product? And also, is it an either or? I mean, does she need to save her house or invest or could she do both? Well, I think before I answer that fully, what I want to do is just to um, explain the difference between how I interpret those two words, saving and investing. Often they're coupled together and you've just separated it out into should she save or should she invest. When most people think about saving, they think about cash. And so because we're thinking about cash, we're talking about um, money that's probably going to need to be spent within the next one, two, three years. Um, and the reason why you don't save normally for more than that is because um, it, it saving doesn't go up with the cost of living in the same way that investments do. So long term, it's not a great idea to, to save all of your money in that way. Um, but you said saving or investing. Um, with investing, you're talking about some sort of risk-based um, plan with your money. So you take a little bit of risk with it, normally buying something that might include some stocks and shares, um, and then you're rewarded for taking that risk by getting some sort of return. Um, so should she save or invest to buy her house? Well, it depends whether she's definitely going to buy a house or not. If she's never going to buy a house, don't bother saving for one. <laughs> um, if she um, is wanting to buy one, but it's going to be 10 years from now, then probably investing is the right thing to do because it will see her through to that 10 year period. If she's going to buy it in six months time, it's too short a time frame to invest. So it should be savings that she's looking at. Um in terms of how to actually do it, there's lots of different options. You know, she can sit down with a financial planner. There's loads of people online that she'll be able to find somebody either that operates online like we do or somebody that can, she can meet face to face. Um, or there are some um, online uh, advice services where you can kind of put in all of your details and um, the, the system itself will calculate the right portfolio for you. My rule of thumb is... Keep it simple. If you don't understand it, ask lots of questions and go somewhere else until you do understand it. It doesn't need to be complicated. 
Secondly, make sure that the costs are as low as possible. Um, costs can vary very significantly. So Charlotte should be looking at all of the different um, online offerings that attract her and compare one against another to see what the costs are. Um, and the last thing around that is just to make sure that the ethical values of the company match her own as well. Lots of people increasingly have um, views about looking after your money in the same way that you do with the things that you buy. You know, we were reducing plastics, for example. You know, lots of people are thinking also, what can I do sensibly and responsibly with my money? Some um, investments are better equipped to manage those ethical values than others. So that should be something I'd suggest she puts on her, her checklist when she's looking around. Great. I think, as we said, there's two parts to that question and we'll definitely have to come back to both of them in the future. But thank mm, you so much. One. Yeah, thank you for your time. It's a pleasure. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to them. You can tweet us at honest underscore account underscore or you can email your own money questions to contact at anhonestaccount.co.uk and we will get them answered. Thank you to Moneybox. Thank you for listening and see you next week.